be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wow. When you walk into the room, let's pray, Father. Uh, oh, Lord, I believe heaven just opened up and I can't imagine any of us in here not sensing your great love and your presence amongst us. And Father, come and touch us. Continue to touch us. You already have. Continue it. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would be truly living and active right now, powerful and effective sharper than any double-edged sword. Father, come and penetrate right deep into our hearts, bone and marrow, and speak your truth. Encourage us, heal us, give us hope. And then, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would hear from you and get a sense from you, Father, the calling that you have upon our life, the, the work that you would have us to do, that that we might go from here and we would, be, we would say, Lord, I want to walk in, in the giftedness that you've given me. I want to walk in the calling that you've called me to. I, I want to be faithful to the anointing, and to the grace, uh, the gift that you've given me. I, I, I want to I serve you. And not only just selfishly by myself, but I want to serve you with the body of Christ. I want to be a part of it. I want to find out where I fit. And I want to step in and I want to go by faith, walk by faith, knowing that you're going to hold my hand, knowing that you will guide me. Father, I pray this for each of us, that it would be a personal prayer. So, Father, speak to us now in the name of Jesus, please. Amen. Last week, as we were going through this um, Acts chapter 9, we were looking at the scene where where Peter now, as he's, he's, he's been going as the Holy Spirit would lead him in Jerusalem and, and all the way around and in the areas the, of ministry, all parts of the country, it says in, in uh, chapter 9, verse 32. Um, and then he, he goes and dwells in this town in Lydda, and he finds a certain man there, and Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, was paralyzed. Think of that song we just sang. Peter walks into the room. You've got to picture this, though. It wasn't, just, it wasn't Peter walking in alone. He was walking in with an anointing. He was walking in with a giftedness. He was walking in with a calling. And he'd walked with his master. He'd walked with Jesus for three years, and, and today, and, and even in the next coming weeks, I, I want us to start kind of trying to grab a picture of these people we read about in the Bible, and, and they're, they're real people, and they have real struggles, and, and sometimes we read and see their, their ministry and think, whoa, whoa, whoa that was, that's awesome. 
But sometimes we have to go back like we do with Peter and see the history of his life and the, the, when, he, when he turned away from the Lord, denied the Lord. And, but then he got empowered. He knew what he was called to do and be. And he walks in a room and he, he looks at this man, Ananias, Ananias, and he says, uh, Jesus the Christ heals you. Boom. Just like that. That's all he said. Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. And then he arose immediately. Oh, man. You want to have that happen? Walking into somebody's room that's sick, dying, bedridden, eight years, lost hope, discouraged. It'll never happen. But Jesus the Christ heals you. That's what he said. That's, his pre- that's the presence. So then, after that, when people see that, what happens? It says in verse 35, So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Listen, miracles, miracles, blessings, changes in your life, changes that your family might see, that your neighbors might see, are gonna, is going to encourage people to turn to the Lord. They want to see miracles working in your life. At the same time, no, we know that none of us, all of us are fallible. All of us are weak. People also, it's okay for them to see that. It's okay for you, for them to see that your, uh, uh, your struggle with life. But when the master gets a hold of you, you don't struggle with him. He gets a hold of you and he gives you supernatural strength, gives you an anointing. And when you really get, get down on your knees and he, he pours his Holy Spirit into you, you walk around differently. I want to encourage you with that, that people will come to Christ when they see things happening, when they get a sense that, that God is truly uh, t- turning people to the Lord and turning you to the Lord. That didn't stop there in this story. And last week I said to you that I wanted to get into this giftedness, this calling, this, this, this specific thing that God wants to uh, let you know that I, I have a place for you in the body of Christ. And I thought to myself, trying to get this picture of Peter, this is his place, trying to get a picture of this lady now that he's going to go see, that has been called to come and see that she's not only sick, she's actually died. And uh, people want him, want him to come. Please come, please come, pray for this, pray for this woman. She's, she's a wonderful woman. She's been serving the Lord. She knows the Lord. She's been making clothes for people, widows that, that have, don't have very much. She's been, she must have money because she's been helping them, it says, financially. She was operating in a giftedness and a calling. And now she's, she's in this story, she's dead. And Peter goes in with God's anointing. And, but last week when I said to you in verse 40, he puts them all away, puts all these people out, even though the people are showing him all these tunics and garments that they've made, that Dorcas has made, or Tabitha has made by one of the, that's her name we can call her. He puts them out. What does he do? He kneels down and he prays. And I mentioned last week that if you face with a situation like this, I mean, he'd seen Jesus raise someone from the dead. And now here he is faced with somebody that is dead himself. But Jesus, where's Jesus? Well, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Peter, I've called you. 
Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, you know I love you. But would you feed my sheep? You know, that, that walk he had with Jesus. The time when he was with Jesus, and Jesus says, you know, what, who, who do people say I am? And he gave them some answers. No, and then, then Jesus said, no, 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 no. Who do you say I am? You see? He had to get personal with Peter. And Peter says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Now, even when he said that, later he, he, he denies the Lord. When he, the Lord's getting before his crucifixion, and Peter wept bitterly. And I've always said, I don't think Peter ever forgot that. And so now he's in, he's in this room. He's facing with, he's been asked to come and pray for Tabitha. She's laid out there. They've washed her. And they've put her grave clothes on her. And he kneels. Can you imagine that? That's what I wanted us to try and get. Is sometimes whatever it is, whatever the circumstance you may face in life, when it's the most difficult for you, all your friends, they've all gone. You've got to get along with him, just like Peter did here. He puts them all out, he kneels down, and he prayed. Oh, I'd love to, I'd, I'd love to hear what he prayed. Wouldn't you like to know what he prayed? What do you say? What do you have said? Like, this is all conjecture. Lord, I've seen you do this. I watched, I saw the miracle. I heard the words you spoke. You, 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 you said, little girl, arise. Talitha, arise. You, that's what you said. Lord, I want to have that faith now that you've anointed me, that you've called me, that you've, you, you've called me as one of your disciples, one of your apostles, and I want to walk in that anointing. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise Exactly what Jesus said, Talitha, arise, Tabitha, arise, and she arises. She sticks her arm out. He helps her up. And then there was many people throughout all Joppa, it says, and many believed on the Lord. And then he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. That's another, that's another story in itself. I'll just basically say that it, the Jews didn't want to hang around with a tanner. You know, a tanner is a, is a fellow that's got, he's, he's living by the seashore there and he's, and he's taking animal skins and he's living by the seashore because he can take the animal skins into the, skins into the salt water and he can clean them all up and do all that. It's a stinky, messy business. Jews wanted nothing to do with that. God had done a work in Peter. Go and live with the tanner. Go stay with the tanner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, no, Jews, yeah, we don't like him, but... You can go, 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 go in his house. That was another miracle. But last week when I got here, I, I wanted to say, well, this is Peter's, this is Peter's calling. And looking at Tabitha or Dorcas, that obviously someone had led her to the Lord. And we believe that might have been Philip. After Philip had led the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ, that he traveled then on the road. And according to what I've read, from where he led the eunuch to Christ to where Philip went along that road would have been this town where, where Tabitha Dorcas lived. And, and Philip being one of the deacons, the second deacon named, remember, that, that, that was when they called it, we got a problem with widows, they're not getting taken care of, we need to take care of them. Let's, let, let's, let's get some, some deacons here. 
And they said, well, let's get Stephen. He's a man full of the spirit, full of wisdom, and he's got a great reputation inside and outside the, the, the church. And, uh, oh, and then Philip. Stephen was stoned to death preaching the gospel. So he wasn't just a deacon. He was preaching the gospel, evangelistic. And Philip the same, traveling along, leading people to Christ. It's, it's possible he led Dorcas to Christ. She was clothing widows. She was put, making cloaks for them. She was taking care of them financially. And what was a deacon's responsibility? Making sure the poor and the naked are clothed. Making sure people are provided for. That's why we have a benevolence fund. Give to the benevolence fund if we find someone in need, especially within the body of Christ right here. Then let's make sure they don't go without. It's a ministry. It's a calling. It's a giftedness. It's not a job. And it's just as important as any other position in the church. And so when I, when I came to that last week, I started thinking, um, well, this is okay to read it in here, but what about us? What about you? And, and I thought also, you know, Joel came to me and he said, you know, I'm going to miss you. I didn't, you're going to be, uh, Polly and I are going to be moving uh, to Illinois. And uh, that's a, a calling that I feel that I have uh, <clears throat> to help churches transition from one pastor to the next. I, I just feel like God's poured that in me. And uh, he said he's, he's going to miss me, and I'm going to miss Joel too. And I'm going to miss all of you. But what I want to be able to do, if I can, this week, next week, and the week after, is go through these passages that talk about ministering together as a body so that the body is healthy, so that you're healthy. There's great things going to happen here. Listen, Polly and I have been here for almost five years. We actually candidated here over five years ago. It was a nice balmy winter that winter in 2015, and you thought that we'll fool them. Well, when we flew in, it was snowing. And uh, he didn't fool us. We've lived in North Dakota. But we've been praying. We have, not just us, but us on the Wednesday night prayer, us as a church, for us to be able to experience live worship. Now, we've had worshipers. We've got folks that can sing. We've got Jackie. We've got Jody. Um, you know, we've got people that can play instruments. But what we didn't have was a leader, someone that can pull it all together. Someone that puts all the pieces together. And so in the next few weeks, I, I, I hope I can encourage you that God wants to bring all the pieces in, put the church together as a body. You all function in, in various ways. And, and um, God has sent us young Allie, who's now Mrs. Brown. Now, she doesn't come alone. She comes with others that are gifted. And today, Jody's here singing, partaking in the worship with her. And Joel is playing the guitar. These are, so we're connecting. But with that worship, with that kind of worship, that enriches the body of Christ. It opens heaven. Worship breaks strongholds. Worship opens heaven. Worship prepares a heart to hear what God has to say through his book. And I praise God. I am absolutely praising God this morning. Uh, not just the songs that we're singing, and there was personal reflection and personal ministry, 
but just like, God, you're so good. So last week I wanted to do that. So the next few weeks I want to, I, I kind of want to shift my, my thought and, and leave you with messages that talk about how the body should work. And then, and then encourage you to, to ask yourself, what is the giftedness of God? What is that anointing? What is that special calling in my life? Where do I fit in this particular body of believers? In this particular body? Where do I fit in the church as a whole? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And listen, I, I hope today and the next few weeks I can just preach like this and then when we get a sense of time, we'll just say, praise the Lord, we'll carry on next week. And... Uh, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12, before I read that, I want you to think about something here. Um, I meant to read this at the very beginning, so I'm going to read it now. I got all excited to talk to you. Uh, With this idea of being a body, with this idea of Scripture encouraging us with our calling and our anointing, our grace gift, whatever you want to call that, how you fit in, that it's important for us as a church to speak this into people, speak this into folks' lives, get people rooted in Christ and understanding what He's calling them to do, and then empowering them and, and, and rejoicing over it. Um, don't refuse what God has been pouring into you. Accept it, receive it, and then as a church, recognize it and empower people in it and release them to serve. Now, I want to read something that I read this week. It's called Roots and Wings. Now, you'll say, what? Roots and Wings. Now, this is for children, but I tell you, God calls us children. This is something written by Terry Mewson. Do you know her from CBN? She sits next to Pat Robinson for years. So she wrote this. She says, I I have a framed quote beautifully rendered by a calligrapher hanging in the hall outside our children's bedrooms. And it reads this. There are only two lasting bequests we can give our children. One is roots and the other is wings. One is roots and the other is wings. The greatest gift that you can give your children is roots. And she's talking about how you get them rooted in your family and in the history of your family and in understanding your family. And then give them wings to send them off to be a blessing to the, to, to the world that they're called to. Now, I thought when I read that, I thought, that's what God wants us to do when he is talking about us being a body, the body of Christ, that it's important for us to get rooted in the body of Christ, in Christ, who's in the body. Christ is the body. He is the church. He's the head of the church. And everything should be about him. The greatest gift we can give each one of us is to say, oh, are you rooted in Christ? Are you rooted in him? And then are you discovering and hearing as you abide in him? 
into the vine and he pours his sap into you and he pours his Holy Spirit into you and he gives you a specific anointing and a specific calling and you begin to speak it to others and people don't look at you like, what? They look at you and go, tell me more. And then as they hear you then and they begin to pray over you, then they begin to release you into the body and say, let me walk with you and mentor you in this and serve the body of Christ as Christ has called you to do that. And it's the greatest gift we can give as leaders, as uh, uh, the mature ones in the church, to the young ones in the church, get them rooted in Christ, discover your gift and calling, recognize it, and then empower and bless. You know, we often ask that question. People ask me, how do you know you were called to preach the gospel? Well, I had the calling when I was 11 years old, 10 or 11 I heard the song, There is a green hill far away without a city wall where our dear Lord was crucified who died to save us all. And I had a picture of Christ on the cross and I have a sense in my spirit as a young boy, not even a Christian. And God's saying, I want to use you to tell people what I'm showing you right now. And I rebelled against it. But when God got a hold of me and I, and, I, and, I, and I began to share that in the church family after we had wandered away and wandered off, I began to share this with the leadership. They listened. Then they watched. Then they mentored. Then they grew me. And they discipled me. And then they received, they received, they heard what I said. And then they gave me wings so I could fly. And, and, and here's the thing with the calling. You can know it in your spirit. But what happens is, is that you, when you begin to share it, it gets, it gets affirmed. It gets affirmed in the church. You know, if you think sometimes, well, I think I should do, and, and, and you, you step into something, but there's no affirmation from the, those that love you around. Sometimes you have to go back to Christ and say, are you sure? It's one of just, there was just my heart. I'm just pouring out my heart for the next couple of weeks here. So, 1 Corinthians 12. And I have to give you some translations here. I'm reading from a new King James. Now, this is Paul writing. He says, now, concerning spiritual gifts. Gifts isn't in the original language there. So, but what he's saying is concerning spiritual things, spiritual persons or um, concerning spirituals or now I want to give you some information in some spiritual matters. And then he goes on, he says, he says, because I don't want you to be ignorant. Underline that. You see, when it comes to spiritual, spiritual matters, when it comes to, he doesn't, he, he says, now I want to give you some information in some spiritual matters. Listen to what he's going to say here. He doesn't want you to be ignorant about it. He doesn't want you to be uninformed. He doesn't want you to leave you in the dark. It's not right for you, one translation says, to be without teaching. I don't want any misunderstanding about this. Because this is important. This will help you understand. And, in, in, and, and as you read this, and as you hear me read it, listen for that whisper from God saying, that's what I want you. That's where you fit. That's where I want you serving. 
So you know, he says, that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Well, don't do that anymore. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then he gets into this. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are, you can say, various allotments. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit is the source of all those. And then he says, verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. What he's saying there is, there are differences, and the word there is the root for a deacon, service. There are different differences of services within the, the church. So this is just one cookie cutter that cuts this out and says, there you are, if you don't fit that mold, then you're done. No, it's various, it's varied. But it's the same Lord Jesus that is with you in it. And then it says, and there are diversities of activities. That is like this, uh, the Holy Spirit moving through you in the activity that you're in, such as Peter in the room with, with Tabitha. It was, the, it was the diversity of activity. It was the power of God that moved through Timothy, uh, through, through, through Peter, and raised up Tabitha from the dead, and it was God who was working through it ultimately. And you see in, this, in these first three verses, you see the Holy Spirit, you see the Lord Jesus Christ, and you see God the Father, and they're all working together in various ways, but it's for the purpose of the body of Christ to function well. Now, you know what I've just said there. There are books and books and books and books and messages and messages and messages all on that to break it down. We're only here for a few weeks now. So I'm just sort of giving you this and then take it home and study and ask God, what are you saying to me in this? Verse 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You see, when God, when God calls you to, to become his child, he says, now, now you're my child. Now I want to give you a specific call on your life, a specific ministry, a specific uh, gift, and, and I want you to begin to operate with that. Walk in that anointing. Walk in that giftedness. Serve in that giftedness. With, with, with a great sense of, with grace, yes, but a great sense of confidence that God is in it, that God's called you. Because he says here, for to one is given, verse 8, the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now, I, I don't even have, I'm not going to take the time to break all this down. Please forgive me for this. Ask the Holy Spirit to begin to teach you this and read on this and study this and get in a Bible study together and wrestle with this. It's the word of wisdom through the Spirit and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Words that people can speak into your life. Wisdom that comes from God and helps you, helps direct someone in, in a decision they might be making. You have a sense, they have a sense from God and they say, 
This is what I sense from God, and they speak it to you. Now you can check that out because we check the Spirit. We, we listen to the Spirit, and we, we say, Lord, there was that from you. And we can be more assured of it when we know the person's history. We know the person's background. We know the person's foundation. We know it's founded in the Word. We know it's founded in grace. We know it's founded because they're open to teaching. They're open to counsel. They're open to discipleship. They're not a closed book and thinking they have all the answers. Don't listen to anyone that thinks they have all the answers. I'm not up here with all the answers. I go to, I, I go to the Word. I want to keep in the Word. The Word answers the Word throughout the Word. And then I look, at, I look at what others have said. I look at church history, and I go, Lord, I think that's it. And then I ask people around me that I, that I know themselves uh, believers in the word. But then there's to another faith by the same spirit. Did you know that? That faith is a gift. Some people have more faith than others. It's a spiritual gift of faith. We all have to have faith in Christ. But do you know someone that has like, they just seem to have incredible faith in God. That's a gift. And they're there to help those who are weaker in their faith. And if you've been given that gift, then you're letting the church down if you don't operate in it. When you, don't see, when you see someone and they're down in the dumps and they've lost their way, and I had a person call, call me this week. I need some pastoral counsel. I said, well, I'm here. I'm a pastor. Let me help any way I can. What can I help you with? Well, I'm walking away from God. What? Now I have to tell you, inside of my heart, my flesh wanted to ask, have you ever known him? Well, maybe it wasn't the flesh. Maybe that was the spirit. I held off asking that question. And even today, I'm wondering, was that right to hold off? But I, I just didn't have that strong sense. To, I felt like that was more arrogant of me. The question was, tell me, why, why are you walking away from God? Because her, the person's life was falling apart all around them. And so I sent them some encouragement. I prayed for them. I realized that it's, and I did say to them, I said, it's Christ, the one, if you lean into him, if you, if you, if you seek him, he said, the Bible tells us, with all your heart, that God will be found by you. And if you feel like you you've lost him and you feel so then you feel like you need to walk away I just encourage you just to look to him because a simple look a simple look Leslie put the put the notice on our notice board it's been up there a long time it's a good one Leslie it's a good one for the people look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God there is no other a simple look to God so I encouraged that person now I heard later I got another phone call later and said They've turned around. They're not walking away from God now. Sometimes we, if for those of you that, and maybe, maybe it's not, you don't have this strong faith all the time. You need to be encouraged because life will hit you hard. Then you need others to come around you. But it's a gift. And then, by the same Spirit, another gifts of healing. By the same Spirit, we believe in healing. Don't neglect getting prayer for healing. Now, sometimes it's very frustrating, frustrating for Pauline and I to go constantly to God and say, touch Pauline, heal her, anoint her with oil and heal her, and then doesn't get healed. It's very discouraging. But I want to keep on trusting, because we have seen God heal 
in the past. We have seen God, like I shared last week, where that tumor was just gone. The gentleman that had a big inoperable tumor after prayer discovered it was gone. So we're going to keep on praying. If you have the gift of healing and if you have a sense, see, it's not you that heals. Please let me say that. Some people say, well, you don't have the, you don't, you're not healing me. No, 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 no. God, by his anointing, by his spirit, has poured into me a sense that he's going to use me. And when I lay hands on people, that his spirit will flow through. It's his spirit that's going to heal. It's God that's going to heal. Not me. I am simply a vessel in the body. And the church needs people with that gift of healing. The Bible tells you to call on the elders of the church. Call on them. Ask them. The prayer of faith will make a sick person well. Sometimes we come to church sick. We go home sick. But we don't ask. You've got to ask. I better read this a couple of mine, and we need to close today, right? And we'll come on this tomorrow. I mean, we can come next week. There's no rush, right? So, to another, the working of miracles. Oh, come on, let's have some miracles. To another prophecy. Ooh, I think maybe we'll just leave that for next week. I want to kind of touch a little bit on prophecy. And, and we'll go a little further. I think I've said enough. So let me just read the beginning of the Corinthians from my little notes here. That he wants us, he, he said, now I want to give you some information in some spiritual matters. That's what he's trying to do. And the New Living Translation says, and now dear brothers and sisters, I will write about the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives to each of us for I must correct your misunderstandings about them. That's what this is about, trying to help us understand it. And, um, and this old business, I don't want you to be ignorant. And I've read this before, I'll finish with this. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want, you to, I don't want to leave you in the dark. It's not right for you to be without teaching. And I don't want any misunderstanding about them. So I got another week now, even though I've looked at this many times, and you've got another week to really bury yourselves in this passage and say, Lord, what are you saying? And at the same time, try and think about Peter in that room, yet he's down on his knees with a dead Tabitha in front of him, and he says, I've seen this happen before. I've seen you do it, Jesus. Is this my anointing? Tabitha, arise. And she did. When, when we walk in that anointing, when we walk in that calling, we understand it. And you're operating in it, in the body. You will see things happen that will amaze you. Worship is a gift, and leading is a gift. And when we're led into worship by someone that, that has been given the gift of worship and the gift of leading, all those who are worshiping around and playing the instruments and all of us who are singing are brought into a place where we say, this is of God. 
This is of God. I receive it. I'm not going to refuse it. I'm going to recognize it. And I am going to release it. And I'm going to empower the person and the persons that have been gifted in it. And I'll tell you what, God gets the glory. And to God be the glory. Father, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> um, let's come back next week. Let's look at this some more. Let's understand. Let's not be uninformed. Let's not be in the dark. Let's not be without teaching. And let's not be without misunderstanding. Any misunderstanding in these verses, in this passage, in what you're trying to say to us regarding the body of Christ working together and being called and walking in our giftedness, walking in our anointing, walking in the grace gifting that you've given us. Father, I just give this to you as an offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on up here.